0: Condon, Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460
1: KXNO, and now on
2: 106.3 FM.
1: Good morning, welcome in once again, another edition of Miller and Condon on the air with you, Trent Condon running solo here today. So I asked our esteemed colleague from across the glass, Andrew Downs, stopping in, hanging out with me for a little bit. What's up, AD? How you doing, Trent? Okay. Yeah? Uh, Allergies got me? Yeah, it's that time of year. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we've been dealing with that at my house the last week or so.
1: Not fun. And it, it hit me on Sunday, actually, Mother's Day, and battling, and I woke up and I felt even worse this morning than it did yesterday. So since I'm by myself, I figured, well, if I need to sneeze, if I need to cough instead of just dead air, Let's bring in AD That's and hang That's what out I'll with talk. Yeah. Yes, Yeah. I'll, so.
0: I'll, I'll just sit here until you're ready to sneeze. You point your finger. I'll talk for 30 seconds. No, no. You we're going to be, go. better that. We're gonna be better
1: than that. <laughs> we're going to be better than that. We're going to talk about the teams that we root for. All right. I want to talk Hawks with you. I want to talk Hawkeye basketball with you. Okay. I want to talk some Bears. want to go down that road. And I want to talk about your Giants, too. And just uh, what it's like to be a fan of a West Coast team here in the Midwest with a young family and everything else. So couple of different things. we got other guests coming up here today on the program as well. We'll kick it off at 10.20. Michael Swain from 24-7 Sports will stop in. We're going to break down minutes. Both Iowa and Iowa State basketball today. We're going to talk the Cyclone side first with Michael. How do you get this roster of really 13 guys that look like they can play? Play at the D1 level, at the big T- Big 12 level. How do you allocate those 200 minutes a game? For those guys, we'll do that with Michael, and then on the Hawkeye side with David Eicholt from uh, Hawkeyes twenty four sevens at eleven oh five. In between, we'll talk some NFL. Russ Cruz going to stop in from our great partner, Graphite Construction Group. They were with us a couple weeks ago for our mock draft, and they have a great event happening tonight at Iowa Tap Room for you Chiefs fans with Mitch Holtis in town. So Russ is going to stop by, talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a lot of Chiefs NFL draft with Russ coming up at about 1040. And finish it off late in the program. Some baseball talk. Scott Miller will join us from Bleacher Report. We'll go through everything happening in the world of MLB. So with that, A.D., we get going here on a Tuesday. No Ken across the glass, but I see your Bears hat. Yes. And I haven't been able to hear much of your perspective on what happened with Justin Fields. Right. Now, I think we are... We're quite a bit different as fans. Though we root for many of the same teams, you seem from what I know more optimistic than I am. I try to be. That's not me. I <laughs> I'm generally pessimistic as it pertains to my guys. In life, that's not me at all. Yeah, right. A very optimistic yeah. upbeat guy? Yeah, you are. But when it comes to my teams, or when I have any expectations for the teams that I root for, it usually goes a bad way. And so as everything's coming down on draft night and they move up to 11, I had the sinking feeling. Not only were they going to take Mac Jones and I was going to hate him. Yes, it, I thought that for sure. I, I thought maybe they were going to take Kellen Mond. And I, I'm not being facetious. I re- that thought yeah. crossed my mind. Tells you a lot about the Bears draft history that <laughs> right. you could even think that. That's that's where my mind went for at least a fleeting moment. And then they get it. And I'm excited. It was a guy that I thought was the second best quarterback in this class. It's who I wanted yeah. if I had a choice after Trevor Lawrence. And yet I can't get past the sinking feeling that this is going to be yet another dud in the draft. There's, so how, how do you stay optimistic?
0: Uh, a lot of work, right? <laughs> Especially like in the face of a thing like this, certainly, because there's a there's a chance that all these quarterbacks, none of them, pan out, right? A- any quarterback you draft from the first round, there's a decent chance that they will not live up to the expectations that uh, we set for them. And then you look at the Bears' history and say, well, the, those odds are probably a little bit higher. With the Bears, they just don't have history of being able to develop guys. Uh, they didn't do a great job with Mitch Trubisky. They obviously thought they had something there and didn't. Uh, so that worries you a little bit. It's just the, the the hope, I guess, that at some point it has to it has to work. At some point, it, it's worked before. Trent, you and I may not remember that time. <laughs> Uh I was like two or three years old. The I last was in a kindergarten. Time. Yeah.
1: I, I barely remember it. Right. I remember the Super Bowl. See, I don't at I all. remember Monday Night Football, the loss to yeah. the Dolphins, and like two other
0: games that year. And so it'll happen again <laughs> at some point, right? It, it, it maybe a hundred years from now. The Cubs won a World Series. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you just kind of I guess you just have to hope that this is the time. I, I really like Justin Fields. I like everything about him. I liked watching him play. Uh Big Ten quarterbacks don't have a great history. Mm-hmm. Ohio State quarterbacks don't have a great history. And the Bears don't have a great history drafting quarterbacks. And so those things are all working against me. Um, I just try to stay optimistic as long as I possibly can.
1: Now, you've also seen some positives in the Giants World Series on your baseball fandom. Yes. Probably helps lead to that a little bit. Absolutely, yeah.
0: And, and you know, I guess part of it is just the expectation. Um, when you're talking about like the Hawkeyes, a lot of people I know... I've, I've had to say this to a lot of people. I, I, I love the Hawkeyes. That's that's the team I'm most emotionally attached to. Mm-hmm. I'm certain they're never going to win a national championship in, in football or men's basketball. Yeah. Um, and so if that's my expectation, I'm always going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to be upset. And so you just have to, have to kind of set the expectation to different things. Like this year for the Bears, I hope that everything works out and they put it all together and win a Super Bowl. I don't expect that to happen. So what am I what am I looking at for the Bears this year? Well, I'm looking to to see Justin Fields come in at some point and be the starter, win that job. I'm looking to see good things out of him and, and the kind of team around him, and I'm looking to see them make the playoffs and give somebody a game. Mm-hmm. If that all happens, I feel pretty good about the game. I'm not going to feel good when, when the Bears lose in the playoffs. I'm always going to be upset about that. I was upset when I lost to Oregon in the second round of the tournament, right? But I, I'm able to then, I think, after a little bit of time, go back and look at the entire picture and kind of take it for what it is. And then, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, with the Giants, I mean, I went my whole life without them winning a, a World Series. I saw them blow a World Series in 2002, and I thought that oh, yeah. was maybe the only chance. My dad lived almost all of his life without seeing them win a World Series. That's why I'm a fan. He is. Um, they had never won one in San Francisco. They moved there in 1956. And so in 2010 when it happened, A, it wasn't expected. It wasn't a season that everybody thought they were going to go and do it. But it it was this amazing feeling of, oh, my God, one of my teams has actually won the thing. Um, and so, you know, but but it doesn't change everything when your team wins, as you mm-hmm. know, uh, as Cubs fans are now dealing with. And so you always have to kind of reset things. And so I'm just constantly it's, – it's really a – a mental exercise to try to stay optimistic in the face of a lot of these things.
1: So Bill Simmons wrote the book. Now I can die in peace. Yes, but then after the Red Sox yeah. finally won, he was right back. The negativity right. that's surrounds. You can't die in
0: peace. No, that that's, yeah. that's 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 not the way this works. Uh, you, it doesn't all get better because there's always the next season, and that's a good and bad thing, right? If, mm-hmm. if there's always the next season where you can exceed expectations and do wonderful things, and it's always out there again. But it's also there to fail.
1: And more often than not, you're going to fail. So with that and the expectations, and this is some, somewhere I wanted to go with you today, AD. Iowa basketball. Yeah. We both, Iowa basketball for me, it was the sport growing up. Yes. We had three. Three channels. Yes, kids, three channels. <laughs> we didn't walk to school both ways uphill. But we really did have three channels. Yeah. And the only thing that you would have during the week for sports would be Iowa basketball. That's where it was for most of the state during the 80s and into the 90s, Iowa State games weren't on. Certainly in North Iowa, they weren't. Even though Ames was a lot closer, they weren't. It was Iowa basketball. And that's where my fandom, I think, for sport more than anything, grew with that. So it's the one that I have, I think, the most emotional investment. It's the one that still will make me throw the remote down. It's the one that still will have an expletive that's hollered out in the middle of the evening as the kids are trying to go to bed. It's the only (laughs) one that still does that for me. Yes. And hearing the way this went down this year, and the end of the season, and how it ended that loss to Oregon, and expectations that you talked about, and I'm at the point where I felt like we were 20-plus years ago with Dr. Tom Davis, and and at the time, it was always the term, next level. Yeah, We have to get to the next level. Well, we got to be honest here. This is the level of Iowa basketball. Yes. Now, yes we can go way back to the seventies and the Fab Five and those great teams. And they were excellent, no doubt. But even look at look at Olson's career. We remember the final four. Y- you and I read the stories about it. We yes. didn't actually see it. But that is a big memory still going back to nineteen eighty. They also finished fourth that year in the Big Ten. And look at some of the early exits that he lost. They lost to Idaho. They lost to Toledo in the NCAA tournament. He had a lot of early exits. In the NCAA tournament. Dr. Tom, after that influx of talent from George Raveling, what were they? They were a team that would win a game in the tournament. Yeah. A top 30-ish program. And that's what they are again. They have made six of the last NCAA tournaments. If you consider 2020, they would have made it. Six of eight. That's what Iowa basketball is. In fact, Dr. Tom Davis never Went to six out of eight NCAA tournaments during his run. I was going to say that, as Iowa coach,
0: that's not what Iowa is. That's better than what Iowa has been historically.
1: But this one game, that one game in the round of 32, and I think also the way that it ended, yeah. blown out by Oregon, blown out by Villanova, blown out by Gonzaga. That's a piece of it too, and I get that. If they all would have been heartbreakers, if they all would have been like the Tennessee game for sure, then it'd be a little bit. Just boy, a break here, break there, and they would have that Sweet 16. Iowa basketball is what it is. This is. What the program, outside of cutting corners, be honest, cheating, this is what you're going to be. This is
0: probably the best case scenario. And that's the hard thing is because you have to kind of have two sets of expectations in in your head because... I don't want to make it sound like Iowa can never do these things, or that I don't want these things. That I'm not upset when they don't achieve these things, because uh, as I said, I was just as upset as as all of other Hawkeye fans were when they lost to Oregon. I didn't like the way that game went down. Uh, you know, I was disappointed, and, and all of those things. I understand that. Um, but then, yeah, exactly. You have to have kind of the historical context of this, and even with a a historically great team that Iowa had this year with Luca Garza. And you know all of the kind of accolades that they were able to to achieve and, and things they were able to accomplish, the close games and the fun games and the ranked teams that they beat and the blowing out Michigan State on the road, all of that stuff it all does come down to that that kind of final game and, and it's just a, a, it's setting that expectation for yourself that even if they don't meet the the loftiest of expectations, what can you gain out of this if it's all about the wins and losses? Then you're going to you're going to struggle, and it's going to be hard more than it isn't because your team's going to lose more than it doesn't. Uh, it has to be about the journey to some extent, mm-hmm. as cliche as that sounds. Um, but you're exactly right with Iowa basketball; they're not a top six Big Ten program. They can be, and they have been, and year in and year out. You know, there there are chances for them to be that, but historically, on a, a macro level. And that's just not what Iowa basketball is. Uh, it's really not what Iowa football is—a a
1: top, mm-hmm. you know, what five, six Big Ten program in, in football. I, Ohio State's on their own level. Yeah. Then Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan State. Would you argue? We, it, I would be right there, right? And then I, you get I into semantics. Those, you're those talking, four
0: schools are certainly ahead of Iowa. Yeah.
1: And then you get into the Nebraska's of the world, of and course, Iowa it hasn't football is a thing that decades. we look
0: at as pretty successful yeah. overall. Top 25 I mean,
1: program. Yeah, absolutely. And so that that's pretty
0: good. It's never going to be Ohio State. It's yeah. never going to be Alabama. It's ne- probably never going to be Wisconsin. As hard as that <laughs> that is to swallow and, and say out loud. Don't say that. Um you know and and there are years you can make those jumps and you know maybe the next hire that Iowa has for Iowa basketball whenever that comes will be the guy who takes Iowa to the promised land again to a, to a final four and you know either stays or moves on. Um you just have to be in it for the long game and kind of understand the, the wins. If you can't enjoy games, like th- there were several games this year for Iowa basketball that, that Iowa ultimately lost. Um, the Illinois game and the Big Ten tournament, mm-hmm. other games like that where you're playing really, really good teams, high level of competition, an entertaining game, a back-and-forth game, a game that you feel like you have a chance in and you lose. And if the only thing you can take away from that game is we lost – It's just going to be a struggle. And so what I try to do is find the little things that uh, I try to enjoy the things in the game or or the things in the season, Uh, you know, watching Luca Garza play, seeing Jordan Bohannon hit big threes. Uh, I I try to enjoy as much of that stuff as possible because I know ultimately I'm going to be disappointed by what happens. Uh, So you just have to find those little wins, those little things here and there that that you can celebrate and like right now for the bears taking it back to that with Justin Fields mm-hmm. until he plays I'm going to be excited until I see <laughs> until he gives me a reason to not be excited right like for all I know he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now now I don't believe that that's actually going to be the case but we don't know uh-huh. and so until that happens I can live my life as though the bears have the best quarterback in the NFL
1: I can't set myself up that <laughs> way I just I can't do it I I can't talk myself into it we're just wired differently. We are. We I are. wish I was. And that's wired. okay. I wish I was wired a little bit more well, like there you. There are times I wish I was wired a little bit more like you. So, it, and when expectations come this year, I thought the Twins were going to be really good. Yeah, and they stink. See, that's tough. And I, they're and I, every. It seems like every time I really, not that they'll be pretty good. You know, they'll be all right. Maybe they'll hang around the. I thought they were going to be really good this year, and they're awful. And it's all bullpen related for the most part. And Byron Buxton goes out and wins Player of the Month. And now he's on the shelf for a month. It just that kind of negativity that seems to always surround. And I think anybody a fan of any team, yes. can find those kind of negativity. That's the thing. Other than you know fans of like dynastic teams, right? But but even those, I mean, yeah, Dodgers fans right now. That and that I was gonna. Say, I've, I had
0: almost no expectations for the Giants coming yeah. into this season. And as we sit here in May, I don't expect this to to last. I don't think the Giants are going to win the NL West. I don't think they are a legitimate. Uh, World Series contender. They're one of the best teams in baseball right now. They have a three-game lead on the Dodgers in the West. They're a first-place team. This is fantastic. I'm like more bought into the Giants than I have been in a couple of seasons because they're winning and they're doing all the things, and that's super fun. But I'm also kind of bracing for the inevitable swoon, the Dodgers starting to you know win a bunch of games mm-hmm. again. And ultimately, as I said, I don't expect the Giants to win the NL West. They're winning it right now,
1: and this last month has been really fun. Well, speaking of that, A.D., what a transition here. You're a pro. Time for another $1,000 home run. As we try to give away $1,000 here on KXO. let's hear a homer from last night.
2: Belt's not fast, so you could go a little bit deeper if you're a second baseman in the right field side. Belt hit
0: that
1: one well to left center field. Chris Davis chasing. This one is gone. Brand belt with the home run. A solo shot as the Giants keep winning another one last night in a quiet night of baseball. Keyword for the 10 o'clock hour today is green. Go to KXNO.com and type in green. Your chance to win $1,000 green once again. So, how often do you see the Giants games? Not very often. Yeah. Yeah, pretty
0: rarely. Do you get the MLB package? I don't. Uh, mostly just because I wouldn't stay up late enough to watch the games, even mm-hmm. if you know with with young kids and you know getting as you know you get up in the morning, you have to come you know be prepared for work, all that kind of stuff. I, I just I'm not going to be able to stay up till midnight to watch Giants games, mm-hmm. uh, so I watch them when I can when they're on national TV. I certainly go out of my way to watch it. I'm following the games constantly on you know Twitter and on my MLB at Bat app. I get notifications uh, you know all the time with these games. But it's it's just hard with the teams out west to follow the games that closely and really to follow the team all that closely because you know, I'm online reading the San Francisco Chronicle and my dad is such a big fan that he and I are, you know, texting back and forth, mm-hmm. talking about it a lot, but I don't have that many Giants fans in my life. You know, every Wednesday when Mike Woody comes in to Murph and Andy, I get to talk to him for about five minutes about the Giants. Mm-hmm. And as I said, my dad and I talk, but um, it's it's kind of a solitary fandom for me here. <laughs> you know, especially compared to Twins fans and Cubs fans, yeah. and White Sox fans and Cardinals fans. Yeah, a little bit different. Yeah, uh, yeah. I and and I do you know anytime I'm out west. And there's just more of a presence. Mm -hmm. I do, I get a little jealous. I miss it a little bit. We went out to Lake Tahoe a few years ago and there was this beer with just the Giants logo on it. And it was like, oh, I'm drinking that beer the entire time I'm out here. I have to. (laughs) That's like, it's so cool to me that, you know, my team is, because here you don't see Giants stuff. Anytime Mm -hmm. I see somebody in a Giants hat, it's like, oh, you know, like I know the 12 Giants fans in Des Moines. We all, (laughs) you know, tweet at each other. Um, And so it's, I, I do get jealous of the community that there is mm-hmm. around the local teams, but I get that with the Hawkeyes and the Bears and right. some other things,
1: too. No, that's interesting. I I kind of I had some fandom for the Padres because, well, I like Kirby Puckett yeah. and Tony Gwynn. Short fat guys like me. Those are my dudes. <laughs> Makes sense. And after 91 in the World Series for the Twins and just how bad they were basically during my junior high and high school years, they were so bad that had somebody else to root for. My senior year, the Padres played the Yankees in the World Series, so I had that, but then as I was kind of morphing into it, got to college, I'm like, I can't keep rooting for this team. Right? I, I'm a Twins fan. Yes, I like the Padres, but the Twins are my team because I'm not staying up all night watching baseball games, watching the Padres out there. Stay with the local team, go that route. It was tough, though. Those 90s teams, those mid-90s teams for the yeah. Twins, oof. Oof. it was kind of like this year's team, that yes. baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Ad, I appreciate you stopping Anytime, in. Anytime, man, and, it's always uh, fun helping me out just a little bit here. As uh, I think you people have heard, my squeaks on of my voices a couple of times here today. I ah, sound great. We'll persevere. We'll make our way through. And uh, Friday, Emory Songer is going to be in. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> Have you heard what Emery, What his plans are? I don't
0: I don't know yet. I'm sure there will be some, some horse racing stuff with yeah. uh, everything going on this week and then the Preakness, and he's big into that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big baseball guy, so I'm sure there will be
1: quite a bit of that. I don't know what he has planned, but he always puts together a fun show, so that will be good. And a couple more days of me solo here. We're going to bring in some fun guests, though, and we'll kick it off next. Michael Sway talking Cyclones. As we continue, Miller & Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106 Murph and Andy sent you. 26 on a Tuesday. Miller and Connor continues 1460 KX and now 106.3 FM. Trent Connick solo with you here through Thursday this week. Ken is in Vegas. He was at the Golden Knights hockey game last night. We'll get a full recap of everything Vegas when Ken gets back on Monday. Uh, right now, though, we are going to turn our attention. We talked a lot of Hawkeyes there. Thanks to AD for stopping in. Time to talk some Cyclones as Michael Swain joins us. 24-7 SportsCycloneAlert.com as where you can find Michael. Michael, good morning
2: to you. How are things? Yeah, we're doing all right. We're finally into a little bit of off-season where maybe the uh, news won't be coming so thick and fast for Iowa State fans.
1: Yeah, you got basically, what, about a month here before football recruiting is really going to gear up. Guys are going to be able to get on campus. Camps will be going on, and I'm going to guess on the football side of things as it pertains to recruiting, you're going to be really busy in June.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm honestly really excited. It's been really weird kind of not having as many commitments as you would normally have in May. I think Bud Elliott, who does a lot of really good recruiting stuff for us, had a really good tweet yesterday about kind of the amount of commitments that have happened so far in May, where last year, kind of at this point in May, we would have already had 130 kids commit. And now this year we're only at 27 total. So June is going to be a wild month with visits happening, with visits potentially, guys switching up. The dates still be on campus. I'm, I'm really excited. It's going to be a, a fascinating, I think, really six-week period for Iowa State football.
1: It really is. Well, I want to talk basketball with you, and get into the rotations a little bit, and breaking this thing down as we have the full complement of the roster. No, know there still could be some tweaks, some changes that certainly could happen, but going through this and just looking at this squad and how it's going to play in your number 1 at TJ Otzelberger, point guard Tyrese Hunter how many minutes a game for him, and then we go from there. Rest of the roster, Trey Jackson, Caleb Grill, Gabe Kalsher, Isaiah Brockington, Jaden Walker, Javon Johnson, Blake Hinson, Tristan, and Aruna, uh, Kuntz, Robert Jones, George Condit, and Xavier Foster. So that's your roster right there. And as you know, Michael, we only have 200 minutes to play with here. I do this exercise every year for Iowa and Iowa State. This might have been the most difficult one I've ever done, though, for Iowa State. Because there's so many great unknowns with these guys, even guys that we know from their first stops collegiately, how it's all going to fit together. This is a difficult exercise in my mind.
2: Yeah, it really is. And I, I think you a good place to start, I think, with this is, you, you know for certain guys like Gabe Kausher, Isaiah Brockington, and Tyrese Hunter. I kind of pencil them in for kind of that even 30 minutes a game mark. I think that that's probably where they'll end up playing. It wouldn't surprise me if Kausher gets up maybe to 33 minutes a game Um, But I think with the current roster construction, I think there's reason to believe that there's enough depth on the roster to where you maybe don't have to play him, someone like Calis, Isaiah Brockington, that many minutes. So I think those three are probably penciled in for 30 minutes a game. I think Blake Hinton is a really fascinating piece here if you're going to look at specific minute totals, because uh, if he's able to play, I think he's someone that could probably start at the four for Iowa State. He's got a little bit of shooting ability, can make some plays off the bounce. Um, a real good player Ole Miss transfer that didn't play last year because of uh, health issues unrelated to COVID-19. So I think for me personally, I have him. If he's healthy and able to go and cleared to play and all that good stuff, if he's able to go, I have him playing 25 minutes a game because I think he's someone that brings you versatility, that can play the three and the four alongside kind of your backcourt trio of, you know, Hunter Kalsher, Brockington. And then with Xavier Foster, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he kind of progresses after a full off-season because he talked about it a little bit, kind of an immediate availability that we had with him that, you know, even starting in early last year, a few practices in, he started feeling his foot and didn't feel right. So, I think that really limited him early in the season to where he had even mentioned briefly that he kind of thought about the one and done process in terms of when he was coming into Iowa state thinking that, Oh, maybe I'm a guy that can go one and done. Well, the foot injury certainly hampered that. So it would be really interesting to see kind of what his minute total looks like. I think he's someone that probably will play around 20 minutes a game just because I don't think you want to overwork him, particularly early in the year when maybe he's trying to find his footing again in the college game just because he didn't play a ton last year. Um, and then you kind of work across maybe the big men first. Uh, I think George Condit's really interesting too because uh, he came on strong towards the end of last season. And if he's able to maybe parlay that strong finish into a really good start to the season – I think you probably look at him getting more than the 13 minutes he got last year. I think probably 15 minutes a game is probably good for him. And if you're looking at only playing one big a game, that leaves you about five minutes then for Robert Jones or Jazz Kuntz. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll, We'll see kind of maybe how that plays out if Kuntz is more of a four, if he's more of a five. And then with Robert Jones, kind of what he's able to do making the jump from Denver to Iowa State. Um, and then you look at kind of the really the fascinating part for me is when you get kind of into that secondary ball handler aspect of things. It's Jaden Walker, Caleb Grill, Trey Jackson. Killed Grill is going to need to get a waiver in order to play this winter. Um, but it sounds like, I mean, with the coaching change and T.J. Otzelberger being his coach at UNLV and him following him to Iowa State, I'd be really surprised if Grill doesn't get a waiver. Um, I have him chalked in for about 10 minutes a game, I think. But he's one of those where, you know, between he, Walker, and Trey Jackson, I think on a game-to-game basis, any one of those three could be getting maybe, you know, 10 to 12 minutes a game. I think it could just be dependent on matchups, kind of who's got the hot hand as of late, um, and then really getting kind of the wing position as well with Tristan and Aruna. Um, I don't think he should be starting right away. I think that's something we've talked about a little mm-hmm. bit in the past in terms of maybe he needs more time to adapt to getting big minutes at the Big 12 level and being able to find himself on the college basketball floor. And then you get Javen Johnson who's been a little bit of a um uh, a peculiar player for Iowa State. I think some fans feel one way and others feel another um, with his abilities. But I think he's someone that could probably get about 12 minutes a game, kind of dependent on how Anaruna looks. I think that if Anaruna is on the plus side and he's maybe ahead of schedule, if you will, it wouldn't surprise me if Anaruna's getting more minutes than Javon Johnson. But at the end of the day, if you know Javon Johnson's the one that's contributing and Anaruna isn't able to stay on the floor, I think you could see even Javon Johnson getting up maybe close to that 20 minutes a game mark.
1: You know it's crazy as as I was listening to kind of some of the numbers that you were throwing out. First of all, I'll tell you, Michael, you got about three hundred minutes there. You got to you got to cut it down a little bit, and that's what makes this exercise so tough. Tyrese Hunter, I had him at thirty minutes a game. The other guys though that had twenty minutes or more: Isaiah Brockington, Javon Johnson, Unaruna at twenty, Kuntz at twenty, and Xavier Foster at twenty-two. I had Gabe Kelsher at ten to twelve minutes a game. So. Just the way that anybody, I think, can look at this and look at this completely Mm -hmm. differently, it it is going to be wild. And that's the other part, too. You know, a lot of times when you have a roster that is as deep as it appears this one is, look, I'm not saying we've got a bunch of All-Americans on here, but this is a very deep roster. Finding those minutes and pushing those right buttons, that's going to be a difficult task, I believe, for T.J. Otzelberger.
2: A hundred percent. And that's the interesting part here that we kind of get into well, it's really hard to play 13 guys a game like that's just hard to do in terms of you know getting guys in the flow and then all of a sudden you know, in terms of lineup continuity if you're playing 13 guys how many different lineup combinations are you gonna end up having out there so it's really hard to maybe then build some of that continuity with guys being able to play together um i thought having gabe kalsher kind of under that 20 minute mark is interesting um i, I personally have heard some good things about maybe what The expectation is for him coming into Iowa State. I think the shooting was really poor in Minnesota. I think a change of scenery is good for him. He's someone that has a really good shooting stroke, but I think maybe could use a little bit more maybe of his own confidence and self-confidence in himself, and I think the Iowa State staff could be able to maybe find that for him. But even when you get kind of the back end of the roster, that's really where I think things get real interesting. You know, what is Jaden Walker going to look like? There were times last year where, looked like a guy that could probably be a secondary ball handler for you by the time he's an upperclassman, but then there's the shooting aspect for him. Is he able to kind of find that stroke because he was a sub-30% three-point shooter, and the shooting aspect for, I think, the entire team is real fascinating because there aren't that many consistent shooters there. I mean, you go up and down the lineup, right? Tyrese Hunter, we really don't know what the shooting is going to look like for him at the college game. That was an area of improvement that at least kind of our scouts at 24-7 Sports that they had noted That maybe that was an area he could improve on before he gets to college. Gabe Kausher, is he able to get that shooting percentage up? I think he will be able to, but how high does that go? You know, Isaiah Brockington is under 30% for his career – Blake Henson is uh, an average three-point shooter. And then Xavier Foster may be one of the ones that you could probably chalk up for being able to shoot a 35% mark just based on what we saw from him last season. So I think for me, you look at the roster, and I think some of it could be just dependent on who's shooting at the time because you look up and down, and there's not a lot of guys that have kind of that proven consistency of being able to knock down shots from beyond the arc.
1: So one final thing, and we talk about Tyrese Hunter the incoming point guard, no real true point guard also on this roster. He's going to play a ton. Mm-hmm. What he did last weekend at the Iverson class, a Classic, a NBA event, there's scouts there playing against the best of the bets. I think everybody's seen a highlight of Chet Holgren who just looks goofy and seven foot and he's <laughs> going between his legs and then he's dunking on people and hitting three-pointers, but the dude is a stud. He's going up against five stars and Tyrese Hunter not just held his own, he was the MVP of his team. The guy... Everything that I've read, everything that I've watched of him, he just seems like that consummate point guard that you want leading your program.
2: A hundred percent. He's going to be a star. Um, that I have no doubt about that. It may not be day one. He may not hit the ground running like, I mean, you think about someone like Trey Young, for example, who's about the same size as Tyrese. Very different games. You know, Trey Young was much more of a perimeter scorer. Um, I think they're both maybe similar in terms of abilities of facilitators, but I think Tyrese Hunter has all the abilities to be one of those impact guys and guys that can really change the fortune of a program. I mean, you look at his athleticism, his ability to get others involved. And, I mean, if you even look at last year's team, there really weren't guys that could help get others involved. There's a lot of guys that are off-ball guards, if you will. So I think Hunter, in terms of his fit on the roster, it's a perfect fit for him. You've got guys that can defend around him terry's hunter can defend himself and in terms of what he did at the iverson classic i mean he really did stand out just talking to a few people that were kind of around the iverson classic during practices throughout the week and even through kind of the events on friday and saturday he was the real deal and he held his own and uh, again some of the top talent you know on his team was a bunch of five stars a couple of duke commits um and and really being able to show that he belongs on that level which it's really big, and I think Iowa State fans should be really excited about being able to get them on campus and being able to watch them for um, probably multiple years.
1: It'll be fun, no doubt. Hey, Michael, appreciate your time as always here today. Good catching up. and yeah, There's a summer article for you right there. Break down these 200 minutes <laughs> a game, figure out how this is going to go. A very difficult exercise, no
2: doubt. 100%, but it's an exciting one for Iowa State fans, particularly after kind of last season. No doubt, no doubt. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, thank you.
1: Michael Swain, 24-7. SportsCycloneAlert.com is where you can find Michael. Great work that he does there each and every day, pumping out the great content. CycloneAlert.com. Glad to have him aboard with us here on Miller & Kinda. We'll take a quick timeout, come back on the other side. Time to talk some NFL. We're going to get into the Kansas City Chiefs in a great event happening here this uh, tonight at the Iowa Tap Room, Russ Carew from Graphite Construction Group is going to stop in. We'll talk NFL with him. And the event is Mitch Holtis is in town. That's coming your way next here as we roll through 1460 KXNO at
0: 106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on
2: 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. 10:43
1: 43 on a Tuesday. Welcome back. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trey Condon solo here with you the rest of the week. Emery Songer will actually be in on Friday as Ken is in Las Vegas. Join us right now, no, you don't have to go to Vegas, though, for great things. In fact, Ken was initially asked to be out there tonight as at the Iowa Tap Room, a great event happening. Russ Carew joining us, Graphite Construction Group. And Russ, uh, well, it was almost two weeks ago that... We had the NFL draft. We were out at Mistress Brewing. Had a great time with that one. And now another event is your Kansas City Chiefs. The Voice, Mitch Holtis, is in town.
3: Uh, event with Le- Leukemia and Lymphoma Society over at Iowa Tap Taproom. And then he's also uh, doing a little work for me right now. Oh, nice. Got him at work, right? Yep, we got him at work. He's uh, got some stuff kind of Doing some commercials for us, actually.
1: Oh, that's sweet. I got to like that. So, Mitch is in town this evening. Are there any tickets available? You guys sold out for the event tonight out at Iowa Tap Room.
3: I heard there are tickets still available. Okay. Um, I don't know the quantity. Uh, as of last night, I got told that I, I had to purchase two more for myself and <laughs> some people, so I, I'm pretty sure there's still a number of tickets available.
1: So uh, people can find that information. I know we have it linked at KXNO.com. Also, our Facebook page, you can find it there. And uh, find information for Chiefs fans. It should be a really fun night. And, and the thing about Mitch Holt is he's just a really fun guy to hang out with. He'll just he'll talk Chiefs with you. He'll talk sports. He is he understands it. He gets it, and he's not some of those uh, play guy, play-by-play play guys that you hear about. Maybe you're a little more difficult to get around with. Mitch is a good person.
3: Yeah, I've talked with Mitch uh, once at training camp, actually. Um, I, I was talking with Clark Hunt at training camp because season ticket holders get a chance to talk with the owner. And then somehow I impressed Clark Hunt enough to introduce me to Mitch Holt this one time. Wow. And it was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, Mitch is a totally down-to-earth guy. He'll just talk with you about anything. and And, and he makes it interesting. That's the weird thing is Mitch just has this great ability to talk about you know, basket weaving or something, you know, completely <laughs> off the wall. And he, it's just entertaining. And somehow he's going to make it into touchdown Kansas City every time.
1: <laughs> yes, he is. So that's happening tonight. Again, all the information you can find an evening with Mitch Holtis with the Iowa Tap Room. That's where it'll be this evening presented by Graphite Construction Group. And uh, just stop to our Facebook page. You can find it there, KXNO.com or Graphite Construction Group, their web page. And you can find all the information this evening. Kansas City Chiefs broadcaster Mitch Holtis in town benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So, we had our fun event a couple weeks ago. You are as nerdy in the NFL draft as anybody I know, (laughs) Russ, but you're a Chiefs fan. And right before the draft, they trade away their first-round pick. Now, get Orlando Brown Jr. One thing that was crazy to me, I didn't realize he was 24.
3: Yeah, he's 24, and the the stat that I loved is um, he's allowed six sacks. That's it. Six. Six. In his career. Like 3,000 snaps almost. Six sacks. Wow.
1: It's a good place to start. And <laughs> yep. we saw in the Super Bowl they had to fix the offensive line. They did that. They did that not just with the trade there. I thought they did a really good job. Creed Humphrey. Everybody that you hear talk about this guy, center from Oklahoma, has nothing but great things to say about him. And I look around and I look at the depth that they brought in, look at what they've done. A guy like Austin Blythe, he is a career Solid player. No, is he a pro bowler? No, but he's good. And if that guy's your swing, if he's your seventh offensive lineman, that's either your backup center or one of the backup guards, you're in really good shape. And as the Chiefs saw last year, you have to, it's not just about having five guys, you have to have depth at the offensive line spot.
3: Yeah, you absolutely do. I mean, last year, the Chiefs just were a turnstile at offensive line. I mean, they were down in the Super Bowl, down to their backup swing tackle. You know, they started out the year losing their starting left guard um, because he opted out to go and uh, practice medicine up in Canada, mm-hmm. and then it just went downhill from there. So, yeah, I mean, depth is such a huge deal on, on the line. You can't just have, you know, a nice starting line players and then hope to make it through a season. I mean, the NFL season is just a war of attrition, and you just have to be able to have those pieces in place. And I think that's what the Chiefs... Did Brett Veach does a great job. Every year I watch the draft and see the trades that come up and hear kinda, of, you know, some of the chatter out there. And every year it seems like he's trying to address things a year early. Um rather than a year too late this time. Unfortunately, they were just so decimated in the Super Bowl that there wasn't much they could do.
1: Yeah, it was uh, just running for his life out there. How about defensively? Nick Bolton. I, I hear from people down in Kansas City that are Mizzou fans, saw this guy and I watched him quite a bit. It felt like every single time he was making a play, it wasn't just making a play. It was a physical play. I mean, he, he brings a different kind of dimension, it feels like, to the defense. Is he going to be very good in pass coverage? Eh, probably going to need some work there, but he's going to stick some guys.
3: Yeah, Nick Bolton, I watched a little bit of tape after the, the draft, um, just kind of see some more cut-ups of him. And I, I thought he was a very downhill, aggressive um, linebacker. You know, it felt like when he was going to go find someone, he was going to thump him. And I think for that, for the Chiefs, that linebacking position, um, especially where he's going to end up playing, uh, I think, after this year, um, is that you have to be a very physical player. And then the pass coverage, yeah, that'll come with time. That's just, I think, part of the Mizzou system, too, is just not having that middle linebacker position really being the true play caller. They played a lot of safeties. And um, I felt like it was a kind of a foregone conclusion that, he would be more of a, a run stuffer to start and then work his way into the um, the coverage skills. But, yeah, I just you watch him and it just screams physical.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. That, that's the kind of player that he is, Dick Bolton, inside linebacker coming in. So you get to the late-round picks, and this was not a deep draft for Kansas City. The Chiefs just had six selections of the four remaining guys we didn't talk about. Defensive end from Florida State, Kando, uh, Noah Gray from Duke, Powell from Clemson and the offensive guard Smith from Tennessee. Is there one of those guys you like more than the other? One of those guys you think has maybe the best chance of sticking.
3: So, interestingly, uh the the stuff that I read um about the Chiefs and kind of people's views and some of the draft uh books that I've read up on is Trey Smith was viewed as a very uh early not maybe like mid-round kind of guy like mm-hmm. a, a third-round player, but he had some uh injuries. And so he really slipped in the draft, and I think the Chiefs were really excited to get him there in the sixth. And from what I've seen, uh, he blows people up. I mean, that guy blows people up. I actually saw uh, the Chiefs put on their Twitter uh, right after they drafted him this last week um, a kind of cut-up of some of his best plays of just nailing people. And one of those people, unfortunately, it was Nick Bolton. <laughs> little
1: back and forth happening, there, yeah. Like so, that, yeah.
3: It was pretty cool.
1: Now, yeah, no doubt. So, Russ, with that, Chiefs trade away their first round pick, add depth, offensive line, bring in a wide receiver. We'll see. I think we both are excited about the prospects of Nick Bolton and what they're going to do there. But ultimately, it comes down to now. This is an organization that is World Super Bowl or bust, right? I mean, a championship is all that ultimately matters. As you look at the team, as you look at the changes and. and the improvements that they made,
3: you think they're right back
1: at it, you know the Super Bowl loser fatigue that seemingly happens every single year. Any concerns about that?
3: I think they are back at it. Um, you know they hit their their biggest issue, which was line. Um, they added some pieces, you know they lost a couple of weapons with Sammy Watkins going, but um, Sammy Watkins really wasn't there most of the year. I think he played five games last year and so I, I think they've actually just added to what they had before and improved. Um, you know, I really liked the pick for Noah Gray. I think you got to have someone off opposite of Travis Kelsey, and mm-hmm. he is very similar athletically. Obviously, no one's Travis Kelsey. That's, like, impossible. But um, I think they added a, a nice piece there from what I've read about Powell. I think he's... Um, a really consistent route runner, which is going to be, I think, a mold for maybe putting someone in for that Z receiver slot for them. Um, But I think overall the Chiefs really are set up to go back um, this year. Uh, I think with Patrick Mahomes, every year there's an opportunity, um, and I I don't really understand – People saying the, the fatigue is there. I think last year is actually the fatigue for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, they had gone to the FC Championship the year before and lost in heartbreaking fashion. Then they went to the Super Bowl, won in heartbreaking fa- fashion for the 49ers fans. And then last year, they just they just were out of gas, it looked like. It was Patrick Mahomes running for his life, and everyone else was just kind of there. Um, so I, I really feel like that's... What last year was is they it was run it back was kind of their statement. And from what I've seen this year, a bunch of the players are starting to say take it back. Yeah. So I, I think that's probably where it's going.
1: So my partner Ken is not here today. He's in Vegas and hopefully we're in Vegas next year for the NFL draft, right, Russ? That'd be fun. That would be fun. But uh he's a Broncos fan. And you've heard the rumblings. Ken's excited about the rumblings seemingly every day. He tells me right before we come on air another <laughs> Rumor that is out there what they're going to have to give up to get Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers come to the division. organization, the Broncos are a well-run organization. I I, I root for a team that is not a well-run organization, so I look at them and get a little frustrated at times. The Broncos are a well-run organization. You bring in Aaron Rodgers, and even if they have to give up Jerry Judy or a Noah fan and a couple of ones, you're bringing in the MVP from a year ago. How concerning, as a Chiefs fan, would that be for you?
3: i think it would be concerning um you know there's so much smoke around the Aaron Rodgers situation you know he i think the nfl pulled their mahomes rogers um yeah. big big uh promo that they were running and now it's you know lamar jackson against mahomes that's the new promo so obviously <laughs> there's something going on here um you know i i keep hearing about the bears but then you know the or not the bears sorry the the broncos and um And yeah, it does worry me that if he goes there, I just, I wouldn't understand if you're Aaron Rodgers and yeah, you're upset with the Packers and you want to get out of that situation. I just don't know why you would go to a division that has Patrick Mahomes in there. And then the Chargers are looking like they're our uh, up and coming team too. I don't know why you would want to go and face that level of competition.
1: You, you have to assume that Green Bay doesn't want to trade him to anybody in the conference, right? So everybody in the NFC is crossed off. And there aren't a whole lot of other teams that make sense that either can make it work cap-wise or that are in a position that Aaron Rodgers ultimately would want to go to. Now, another one that I bandied about is Miami. I, I understand. It's year number two at Tua. There were some things that were very concerning, but the other thing with Tua is he had nobody that was a downfield threat. I mean, nobody. Mike Kosicki was probably his only guy... That could even get up a seam, and that's what two is. He is an excellent thrower of the ball up the field. Now they brought in speed this year, so that would be another one. And then people have talked about the Giants, the Washington Football Team, teams like that. Ultimately, do you think he's going to go, or is he going to week one? We're going to see Aaron Rodgers in a Packer uniform.
3: I think there's too much smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just it seems like with the NFL when there's so much you know when there's smoke there's fire, um, and there's just a lot of anger and it sounds like it's just getting really bad so I I think something's going to happen I just don't know where the landing spot is I mean an interesting one to me is actually the Texans oh yeah because they want Deshaun Watson out of town with all of the sexual Mm -hmm. allegations and all that stuff going on I'm wondering hey not in the same conference Texans really don't have any draft picks unfortunately to, to play with but that would be an interesting one of hey, we've got a problem, he's a good player, you've got a problem, he's a really good player. What if we throw you a draft pick and we take each other's problems?
1: Be very quickly, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers would say, No, I'm not going there.
3: Probably not. Yeah. But I don't know. Then he's somebody else's problem, right? Exactly. I, I mean, <laughs> do you really want to go to Washington? Like Yeah. Like the if you look at the just the financial side, just the tax rate alone mm-hmm. and all of the you know, civil unrest that's going on there every week, it seems like. I, I just I can't believe you want to go to a team that is in such flux and is 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 just has all these kind of issues going on. And then then, you know, on the Washington side also the, the owners got sexual allegations yes. against him too. Right. So it, it seems like Washington wouldn't be a great fit. Um the Giants, I could see him wanting to maybe go to the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the Giants have had a history of winning Super Bowls. They're not like the Jets where it's complete dumpster fire. Right. Um, you know, I look at it, I think that could be a good one. And Aaron Rodgers is, there's two things I've realized about Aaron Rodgers playing football. is Aaron Rodgers is about Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. and Aaron Rodgers is still about Aaron Rodgers. Um, it really, it doesn't seem like he cares about his team as much. He's more of a I'm, a, I'm in it for me. And that's the way, if you ever looked at his contracts, the way he does his deals, all of this little snarky comments he makes, it's Aaron Rodgers is about him. And that's it. And I, I think the the Giants might be something where he's like, hey, I can go to the big city of New York. I can be the big time. I'm the big person, mm-hmm. the big personality. Look at me, I can host Jeopardy. You know, all of these things. I think that kind of screams a little bit of, of his personality, too.
1: Pretty selfish. Very talented.
3: Very talented. And a pain in the butt. <laughs> and a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> that happens, too.
1: All right, Russ, one last time. Uh, Happened tonight out at Iowa tap Room. Fundraiser benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Iowa. Mitch Holtis in town. Again, you can find all the information, KXNO.com or our Facebook page or Graphite Construction Group. Uh, find it there. Should be a fun one tonight. Looking forward to it.
3: Yeah. Uh, starts at 6 and it runs till 8.30. 6
1: to 8.30, a night with Mitch Holtis. That's Russ Carew from Graphite Construction Group. We're going to take our final timeout of the hour. Come back, kick off the 11 o'clock hour. We're talking Hawkeyes when we come back fourteen sixty KX and O and one hundred six